Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, it is a re-watch Wednesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast. And that means on today's show, we are going to dive into the film as I give you my All-22 review. Tell you exactly what the Tennessee Titans did schematically on offense and defense. And specifically, I'm going to tell you how the Titans defense confused Jags quarterback Trevor Lawrence into throwing four interceptions and What the heck is wrong with the Titans passing game? All of that and more on a Rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast. Let's get it! You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Titans fans, it is a rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast. As you guys know, my favorite episode of the week. I can't wait to step into the film room, talk about everything I saw on the coaches tape with you guys, break down all the schematics and all the X's and O's as I like to do before we get into all that do got to thank you guys for making the Locked On Titans podcast your first listen every day. If this is your first ever listen to the Locked On Titans podcast, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you do stream. You can find the Locked On Titans podcast everywhere, and it's always going to be free, including the Locked On Titans YouTube channel. Head over there, watch the podcast on video, subscribe, smash that notification bell so you know when all of my content goes live. If you're watching on YouTube right now, go ahead and hit that like button for me. I do appreciate it. Check me out on social media, on Twitter, at Tic Tac Titans. And today is the most important day of all to check out my Twitter account as I did my Tic Tac Titan film breakdown to give you guys all the actual clips and all the actual film that you need to see to go along with today's discussion. So check me out on Twitter again, at Tic Tac Titans. I'll remind you of that throughout the episode. Check out the show Facebook page, at Locked on Titans Pod as well, but we are going to dive into all the schematics. We are going to dive into the film, but I always like to start the Wednesday show with uh, some topical information, and there's nothing more topical than the Titans' playoff push, and the big question that's being asked in the Titans community this week is, who should the Titans and their fans be rooting for, the Colts? Or the Patriots. The New England Patriots take on the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday night. That's right. Saturday night football is here. So excited for that. But it leaves the Titans in a precarious situation. The Patriots losing helps the Titans be in a better position to get the number one seed. But the Colts losing would open an avenue for the Titans to clinch the AFC South this weekend. So, a tough spot, and it makes sense if you're a little confused on exactly how to feel. And I was a little confused as well, but stumbled upon uh, upon some information on Tuesday, uh, and it's some statistical information, a a data-based claim basically showing the percentage chance that the Titans can win the number one seed and the percentage chance that the Titans can win the AFC South 
based on what happens this weekend, not only in the Titans game against the Steelers, but also in that game between the Patriots and the Colts. So let's just go ahead and dive right into that information, the percentage chance the Titans can accomplish their goals. So number one, the number one scenario that I want to discuss is Indianapolis winning the game and the Titans winning their game. So that would get the Titans one step closer towards clinching the AFC South. Their magic number would drop to one. It would take either one Titans win or one Colts loss to clinch the division. So the percentage chance that the Titans would win the AFC South if both the Titans and Colts win goes to 99%. It's basically a shoe-in at that time. But if the Colts do beat the Patriots and the Titans win, that would take the Titans' percent chance to win the number one seed to 56 So that is a really nice number, more than 50%. You can't beat that. But what about if the games go differently? So what if Indianapolis loses to the Patriots, but the Titans still win against the Steelers? Well, that would clinch the AFC South for the Titans. Their magic number is currently two. Any combination of Titans wins or Colts losses that equal two clinches the AFC South. So if the Titans win and the Colts lose, The Titans clinch the AFC South, we'll call that 100%. But that would significantly hurt the Titans' chances of getting the number one seed. Even if they won, that would take their chances of getting the number one seed down to 27%. So if the Pats win that game, really makes it tough for the Titans to catch them in the number one seed. But that makes you think, what if Indy loses and the Titans lose? Well, that would really not hurt the Titans all that much in terms of winning the division. The Titans' chance to win the AFC South would still be 99% if the Colts lose and the Titans lose. So it really doesn't hurt the Titans all that much. But if the Titans lose and the Colts lose, that drops the Titans' chances of getting the number one seed down to 4%. It's basically a a, a long-gone dream. At that point, the Titan, if the Titans and the Colts both lose. So that's a tough spot. But what if the Colts win and the Titans lose? Well, that would drop the Titans' chance of winning the division down to 89%, which still isn't that bad. But it would drop the Titans down for the number one seed to 14%. So basically, there's no way around the fact that if the Titans lose, they're going to be in a tough, tough spot to get the number one seed. They really are. But if the Colts lose, really doesn't matter what the Titans do at that point in terms of the number one seed. It really is just all about the AFC South. So based on those percentages, there is a precipitous drop in the Titans' chances to get a number one seed if they lose. There is not a huge drop if the Colts win and the Titans lose to win the division. So basically what I'm saying is the Titans, even if they lose, are not going to really be that affected when it comes to winning the division. But if the Titans can get a Patriots loss, it significantly increases their chances of being able to overtake the Pats and get the number one seed. So for my money, I'm saying I want the Colts to win that game. Because even if the Colts win and the Titans lose, the Titans still have an 89% chance to win the division. So a a Colts win and a Titans loss doesn't really hurt that bad. But a Colts win and a Titans win 
helps immensely for the number one seed. So the risk-reward here is pretty simple. Ugh. Go Colts. Ugh. Gross. Ah. Gonna have to puke. Everybody said in the comments yesterday, I'm allowed to take drinks of water. I might need more than that after saying what I just said, but it's the truth. If you're a Titans fan, you want the Colts to win because the Titans probably still win the division, but it gives the Titans a much better, a 30% better chance of winning the number one seed. So we are going to move into our rewatch Wednesday segments. I'm going to talk about the offense first, what's going on in the run game, and why can't the Titans throw the ball? I'm going to answer that for you guys. Before we get into that, though, do want to tell you guys about on location. Super Bowl 56 is less than 100 days away, and on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information, or you can just search Super Bowl on location. That's on location, exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Also, want to tell you guys about our friends over at Stance. Stance makes just awesome apparel and they're known for their socks. Just fantastic socks. I have some Batman Stance socks that I really, really enjoy. You know, not only... Dude, they make you feel good. You're wearing something cool. I mean, they have everything like Wu-Tang Clan, Batman, The Goonies, Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel, Bob Marley, Major League Baseball, NBA, Pixar, obviously NFL. I mean, you can express yourself in any way you would like with your stance socks. And, and just like primetime, Deion Sanders said, you look good, you feel good, you play good. So how we dress and how we express ourselves really does affect our mood on a day-to-day basis, and you will never have a better mood than when you slide on your stance socks or stance apparel. It's not just about how cool you feel in them or how they improve your mood or how it's fun to express yourself. The socks are super comfortable as well. They're super soft. Nothing better than hanging out at home with my stance socks on, Titan ones during a Titan game, feeling comfortable and cozy during the winter. There's no downside to stance socks, and they're a great gift for the holidays. So make sure that you check out Stance. And when you go to stance.com and use the promo code locked on, that's one word locked on, you get 15% off your order. So whether you're buying for yourself or you're buying for someone else, Enjoy the color and the comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Titans fans, let's continue this Rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast. We are going to finally dive into our Rewatch Wednesday segments. Going to step into the film room, talk about the Titans offense first, what happened in the run game, and why they're struggling so much to throw the ball, specifically to throw the ball deep. I'm going to answer those questions first. I want to thank you guys for making the Locked On Titans podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you do stream. But diving into the film notes, I'm going to start with the run game because my big points that I want to talk about are the passing game because everybody's asking, 
What's going on with the Titans passing game? Why can't they throw it deep? It's the questions you see all over social media. You got them in your head too. So before I go on my long diatribe on that, we'll just talk about the run game at first. So the Jaguars were using four-man fronts, okay? But they were loading the box with eight or nine men, like literally eight or nine men. If the Titans went to a condensed formation with like three tight ends, as we've talked about throughout the year, the Jags were bringing nine into the box. But a lot of it, like I said, was four-man fronts. They'd have maybe an overhang linebacker. They'd have a DB creep up. But they're mostly playing four defensive linemen with a lot of people at the second level. Now, what does that do to disrupt the Titans' offense? The Titans love to run running plays that require double teams up front. But when you're thin on the defensive line because you're running a four-man front, that means there's not as much to double team, and it all becomes... Can you get to the second level and stop all those second level defenders? Because if you only have four defensive linemen, that means the other four or five guys in the box are going to be second level defenders like linebackers or safeties or cornerbacks who are a lot faster. And it's a lot more difficult for an offensive lineman to get a body on a faster player and actually drive them away or, you know, put them where they want to put them based on the block. So. What the Titans do in those scenarios, they go to fullback runs because what you're doing at that point is if they're not stacking the actual line of scrimmage and they're going to stack the second level, well, then guess what? The Titans are going to try to stack their second level, which is the fullback because the fullback isn't starting on the line of scrimmage. He's coming from the backfield, getting ahead of steam, and the fullback is going to be a more athletic player than the offensive lineman in theory, of course. So the Titans went with heavy fullback runs early when Jacksonville was doing that. And that's important to take on the second-level defenders that flow over because you have somebody who's flowing with them as a fullback who's not in a set spot as an offensive lineman who can get to that second level because it's going to be difficult for the Titans' offensive guards to get to the second level and their offensive linemen and tight ends in general to get to the second level with their with the athleticism mismatch. So that allows a fullback to really be valuable there. So the Titans were running a lot of pool plays. They were running misdirections. They were running counters out of fullback formations. And that was allowing Torrey Carter to get to the second level, blow up whatever second level defender was flowing in the run hole. And then the Titans were getting some good gains. But Torrey Carter got hurt at one point during the game, and that kind of flipped the Titans' plan on its head. The Titans had to go with more heavy tight end runs and use Jeff Swaim as a fullback, and let's just be honest here. Jeff Swaim is not as good of a fullback as Torrey Carter or Kari Blossom game. So he struggled in some certain times that Corey or that Torrey Carter would not have struggled, and that made it more difficult for the Titans to run because they had to go away from what exactly they wanted to do in the run game, with those pool runs, with the fullback in the backfield and getting to the second level and plugging up the hole. They had to change that and go to the tight end heavy formations with three tight ends, with two tight ends, and do things like that. And it kind of changed the type of run plays that they wanted to run. Now the Titans are running more outside zone. They're running more duo. And while they worked because they're playing a bad Jacksonville team, it wasn't as advantageous as the original plan they wanted when they had their fullback. In the lineup. So that's kind of what happened with the run game for the Titans. As for the passing game issues, there are two major issues when it comes to the Titans passing game. Number one is most of the passing plays that they run are schemed up plays. And what do I mean by that? I mean that there is a specific route that the Titans are trying to go to. Think about a screen for a running back. Yeah, a bunch of people go out in routes, but that play is designed to go directly to the running back on the screen or a tight end screen or a wide receiver screen. 
or the Titans are running rub plays. Think about in the red zone last week where Ryan Tannehill is rolling out and there's like a natural pick or a natural rub from a wide receiver. The Titans are literally trying to get one specific guy open, a one-read throw for Ryan Tannehill. Well, the problem with that is, what if the defense takes away the one read? What if the defense takes away the screen? What if the defense takes away the rub route? What if the wide receivers collide into each other like what happened to the Titans in the second half and they hit each other and nobody's open? Well, that's one of Ryan Tannehill's sacks right there. He got destroyed because it was a one-read, schemed-up pass play. Hey, take the snap and you throw it to this one guy. Yeah, there are other wide receivers out there, but they're not running real live routes that Ryan Tannehill is actually going to throw. This play is designed to be a pick play for Chester Rogers to the flat. Well, what happens when Chester Rogers isn't open? Ryan Tannehill gets smacked is what happens. So a lot of the Titans passing plays are schemed up passing plays where it's not like Ryan Tannehill can go through his progressions. Oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. It's a one read, hey, bang, throw it to this guy. Well, if that guy's not open, then you're screwed. And that happens to the Titans a lot in this game. Uh, one of the one of the bad plays that happened in this game, one of, uh, I, I believe it was one of Ryan Tannehill's, or it was the incompletion of Julio Jones where Ryan Tannehill got smacked. Okay, so you got four guys going out on routes. You got Swaim and you got Julio Jones. Well, they both settle down three yards away from each other underneath from like eight to five yards. Well, if you're going against a zone coverage, you don't want to have two guys sitting in the same hole because that makes it easy for the zone defenders to cover those guys because they're not spread out. And then the outside wide receivers, Hollister and Westbrook Aquina, their routes were basically decoys. They just ran up and outs on the sideline. Ryan Tannehill isn't designed to throw to either of those guys. So you're not even allowing live routes from half of your receiving options and both of your receiving options that are live are settling down in the same hole in the zone. So that's that's poor scheme. Okay, that's schemed up throws that aren't always open. And when you do when you have a couple guys in a route combination, they're settling down in the same spot. So that's a coaching problem. That's on Todd Downing, it is. But here's the bigger problem. The Titans suck at pass protection. There's no way around it. It is embarrassing how bad David Questenberry has been in the second half of this season so far. It is an embarrassment. He gets whooped one-on-one over and over every single game now. Roger Saffold is an embarrassment in pass protection. There's no way around it. I love Saffold. He has been a great player for the Titans. He is an awesome guard. But at his age, he's losing athleticism. He's hurt all the time, and his shoulders are hurt, so I'm sure that hurts his punch. But Saffold's getting whooped every play. Questenberry's getting whooped every play. And even when the Titans go to play action, when they go to play action, you got tight ends staying in to block. Michael Pruitt, Jeff Swaim getting destroyed one-on-one. I mean, there was a passing play on play action in the second half where Julio Jones faked a corner route and then ran a post across the field, and he was wide open 30, 40 yards down the field. Tannehill had zero time to get it off because Pruitt got whooped. The Titans are going in mass pass protect, max pass protection, which means all backs, all tight ends stay in with the offensive line. They're running passing routes with only two guys out in a route, and they still can't protect Ryan Tannehill for more than a second and a half. 
The Titans have the lowest, which is the worst, time to sack rate in the NFL. That means people are sacking Ryan Tannehill quicker than any other quarterback in the league. The Titans are an embarrassment in pass protection, and it's one-on-one getting beat. It's not the coaches. It's not the scheme. I already explained how that has its own faults, but primarily 75% of the problem is the Titans can't even run play action. They can't even run passing plays because Tannehill is on his freaking back within two seconds. It is an embarrassment what Questenberry and Saffold are doing in pass protection right now. And it's everybody, but those two specifically are just struggling every single snap. Every snap. It's, it's incredibly frustrating, and I'm sure that you guys can tell. So that's my schematic breakdown of what happened in the run game and the passing game for the Titans on offense. We're now going to transition into the defensive side of the ball where the Jags are so terrible, so the Titans didn't have to do a lot of crazy stuff. But what they did do certainly contributed to Trevor Lawrence throwing four interceptions. Before we get into that, I want to tell you guys, about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best of both worlds. They're both delicious and healthy. They are the best protein bars on the market. They have so many different flavors to choose from. Some of my favorites are the cookies and cream, the peanut butter brownie, the salted caramel. Uh, Built Bar is going to give you that extra fuel that you need to push through the holiday season. You're busting down the doors at the mall. You're running around, returning stuff, decorating, holiday parties. Get that extra boost that you need from Built Bars. They're going to be an easy thing to throw in your jacket or your purse so you always have them with you during the holiday season. And also, when you go on Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to order your Built Bars, I would suggest getting a variety pack because people are pretty passionate about their favorite flavors. And if you don't have one of someone's favorite flavors in that box, you might have some holiday fights and maybe even some snowball fights on your hands. Also, another flavor that's absolutely delicious, the Puff Bars. They're marshmallowy. They're delicious. You dip a couple of those in some hot chocolate. Woo! Absolutely delicious combination. So make sure you go to Built.com right now. Use that promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. fans, it is a Rewatch Wednesday edition. We're going to cap things off right now, talking about what I saw on the tape from the Titans defense. Before we get into that, got to thank you guys again for making the Locked On Titans podcast your first listen every day. As for your second listen, make sure you check out the Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Going to give you daily picks. Uh, wrong team favorite picks, Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Make sure you go there and check out the Locked On Bets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. But let's dive right in to the schematics on defense. So as we've seen all year, this is a trend. This is something that the Titans allow. We can only assume that the Titans coaching staff is saying, okay, do that, fine. Because it's happened every single week. And other, listen, if guys, I have like a high school diploma in football or a bachelor's degree in football compared to some of the other people who break down this game. I mean, there are people on Twitter with like a Nate Tice or a Greg Cosell who have a master's degree in breaking down football. And then, of course, the coaches at the NFL level have a freaking PhD in football. I still have a lot to learn. But me, myself, 
I can say, okay, the Titans play a lot of cover four, a lot of man, a lot of cover three on early downs. We're going to attack the sidelines. And that's what Jacksonville did as well. The only real success that they had that was consistent was they were getting six, 10, 12 yards to the outsides because they know on early downs, the Titans aren't running cover two. They never run cover two on early downs. They run cover three and cover four, which means our outside cornerbacks have outside responsibilities, or they run man, which means you're playing one-on-one on the guy, and if he breaks to the sideline quickly, it's probably going to be open as well. So the Jags were taking what they were getting on the outsides, and teams are going to do that. And at this point, like I said, the Titans allow that. The Titans self-scout. They know what they run on early downs. They know what they like. And they know how teams are attacking it. They're like, okay, take your six yards to the sideline on early downs, whatever. And and that's fine. That's fine. It works better against good teams. And giving bad teams that easy layup all the time is a little confusing to me. But if you're the Titans and you're playing a bad team, you don't want to get beat downfield and explosive and give a team an easy score either. So I guess I understand the philosophy there. But as for formations, the Titans played nickel pretty much the whole game. They only played dime later in the game. And do want to make one note about their dime personnel. So when the Titans were fully healthy early in the year, they would have three cornerbacks, two safeties, and Dane Crookshank, which, of course, he's a safety, so three safeties. But either way, Dane Crookshank's playing dime linebacker. So the Titans would have one linebacker, David Long, Jayon Brown, whatever. Dane Crookshank playing a sub-package linebacker, dime linebacker, and man and on tight ends. And then they'd have Bayard and Hooker, and then they'd have their three cornerbacks, and that's their dime package. Well, the Titans, I don't know if it was they didn't want to put Dane Crookshank in there too quickly or really it's probably the Titans weren't threatened at all by the tight ends for Jacksonville, so they didn't care and didn't need to rush Dane Crookshank out there when he's coming back from an injury and coming off IR. They kept Elijah Molden in as the dime cornerback because the Titans take Molden off the field in passing situations when they're in nickel. They'll move Buster Screen in, or they used to use Chris Jackson as the slot cornerback in passing situations, second and long, third downs, because Elijah Molden isn't great in pass coverage yet. He's a physical cornerback. He's good as a blitzer off the edge. He's good in run defense, which is why they use him as the slot corner on early downs, but then they go to Chris Jackson or Buster Screen on passing downs in the slot because they're more adept in actual pass coverage, and especially in man coverage. So the Titans when Dan Crookshank was out, started putting Elijah Molden back on the field in those situations to be their dime linebacker in their man matchup on tight ends. So now that Dan Crookshank is healthy, I thought maybe they'd get him back out there, but for the reasons I explained when I started talking about this, they put Elijah Molden back out there in the dime situations. But again, the Titans didn't run a ton of dime in this game. They mostly stayed with nickel because, quite frankly, they weren't worried about the Jags' pass-catching options. They just weren't worried about them at all. And that gets me to the point about how they confused Trevor Lawrence into those interceptions. So the Titans do some crowding the line of scrimmage, but realistically, when the Titans crowd the line of scrimmage, they don't usually put six guys up on the line of scrimmage. They usually do five. They cover all five offensive linemen, and that creates some confusion in the pass block or in the pass protection scheme of what the team is going to do and who's going to drop out, where's the pressure going to come from, all that. Will all five guys come and then we're one on one and can't slide, what have you. But in this game, the Titans did a lot of six man on the line of scrimmage. Both linebackers double mugged. In the A-gaps, basically you got a linebacker on either shoulder of the center and then your four defensive linemen. Heck, one time, the Titans even put seven players on the line of scrimmage. So the Titans were stacking the line of scrimmage, crowding it like we see done against the Titans every single week. But 
Here's what was really crazy. The Titans went deep into fake blitzes. So the Titans would crowd the line of scrimmage. They'd have all six guys act like they're blitzing. And then, because usually what will happen, the Titans will crowd the line of scrimmage, and then a couple of guys will drop off into pass coverage. You know what I mean? Well, what happened in these situations is, like Elijah Moulton did this. I saw Jayon Brown do this as well. They actually took two steps across the line of scrimmage and got hands on the offensive linemen like they were actually going to blitz before they dropped back into pass coverage. And Jayon Brown's interception, the one-handed interception, came exactly on that. He took two steps across the line of scrimmage and put his hands on the offensive linemen before he dropped back into his pass coverage responsibility. And Trevor Lawrence did not expect it, and he threw it right to him. So that's one way that they confused them as well. Also, in the Rashawn Evans interception, they had Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown up on the line of scrimmage, and this was something that one of the Titans coaches talked about postgame. Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown were in rat coverage, and what that means is, basically, Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans are both at linebacker spots. One of them has to take man coverage on the running back, but they don't decide who is going to be that guy until the play starts. And if the running back goes towards Rashawn's side, Rashawn will take man coverage on him. If Jay, if the running back goes towards Jayon Brown's side, then Jayon Brown will take man coverage. And whichever linebacker doesn't have man coverage on the running back drops into a zone over the middle of the field, a robber zone, like we've talked about throughout the year. Well, on that play, and and what that does is that means that the quarterback isn't going to know exactly who's dropping back into that zone. It might confuse the offense, and that's what happened. Rashawn ended up being the rat because the running back went to Jayon's side, so Jayon took man coverage on him, and then Rashawn dropped back from close to the line of scrimmage into that coverage over the middle of the field. Trevor Lawrence tried to throw a quick pass. It got bounced off the wide receiver's hands, and Rashawn was there to intercept the pass. So, confusion. On the two interceptions in the second half, one of them really wasn't about confusion. The Titans were in a cover, uh, 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 invert cover two where the two outside cornerbacks were playing the deep halves and the safeties all were covering the inside underneath. Well, Trevor Lawrence had a wide receiver crossing over the middle of the field. He went from the right side to the left side, and he thought that he had an opening. But Christian Fulton was playing the deep half on the side that the wide receiver was coming to. And Fulton darts back about 15, 20 yards and is able to make the interception. On the final interception of the game, the Titans are really confused in Trevor Lawrence because they show a single high safety look, but then they turn with just one safety deep. And then they turn it into two high safety, into cover two. And Buster Screen, who's playing slot cornerback, Trevor Lawrence thinks that he's going to have outside responsibilities so he can hit the in-breaking route. But Screen actually has an inside zone and cuts it off and gets the interception. So the Titans use scheme and X's and O's and schematics covering the line of scrimmage, dropping back into coverage, showing single high, rotating into cover two, showing single high, rotating into invert cover two, and all of that allowed them to confuse a rookie quarterback into four interceptions. Now, we've seen the Titans do a lot of slot blitzing. They didn't do a lot of slot blitzing in this game because the Jags will throw RPOs. If they blitz off the slot, Trevor Lawrence will see that and just throw it quickly out to the slot wide receiver. That's easy chunk yards for the Jags to get. And the Titans said, nah, we're not going to do that. Rather than doing those blitzes off the edges, we're going to crowd the line of scrimmage 
and drop back into coverage. So it was a schematic change the Titans made from what they normally do. And I would expect them to keep that going this week because Big Ben Roethlisberger is smart enough to take advantage of those slot blitzes as well. And the the Steelers have RPOs in their offense, and you're going to give Big Ben easy, short completions to really good yak-wide receivers if you blitz off the slot all, all game. So I would only expect to see that on third and long situations where the Titans know they have time to wrap up and get to a, a quick pass. So that's kind of a, a little schematic preview for you going on. I expect to see more line of scrimmage crowding and dropping out next week to try to get free rushers on Big Ben because he can't move. He can't move. But anyways, a long rewatch Wednesday episode went over everything schematically on offense and defense. I hope you guys enjoyed that's going to do it for me today, though, folks. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow for a crossover Thursday with one of my favorites, Chris Carter from the Locked on Steelers podcast. But as always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans.